Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Joe of Word of Prayer Cultural Center in Largo, Maryland. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. It is my prayer that you are both blessed and enriched by what you hear. Feel free to share with friends and family, and also feel free to follow us on our social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram. Our social media handle is at Wopsy, W-O-P-C-C. Visit us online at wopsy.church. God bless and happy listening. I think that it's very important that we do a quick recap, wouldn't you say? All right, so we're going to do a quick recap uh, of part one and two. If you're just joining us for part three, uh, I would advise you to, you know, to listen to the recap, but still go and watch parts one and part two as well. Um, so that you can really, really have that experience and that understanding. Um, and so, fruition recap. In part one, we learned that fruition, you know, we kind of uh, uh, busted a myth, if you will, and we brought clarity to the word. We learned that fruition has little to do with what we, what, desire, um, but it's all about what he desires. I need you to pull out your notes. Amen. This is a good time if you've been taking notes to make sure you got the right ones. All right. Because if I'm saying it, then it's, it's probably notable and you'll probably have some other stuff that applies to you. But this is stuff you definitely need to have. So fruition has little to do with what we desire, but it's all about what he desires. And in fact, uh, the focus of fruition is not centered around what we want to come to pass. I was sharing with you all that in my experience, whenever I heard the word or thought about the word or said the word, it was coming from a place of, you know, something that I want to happen. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to come to fruition. Um, but then I learned that fruition is not centered around me at all. But the word fruition literally is bearing fruit. Can we pause for a minute because I saw a miracle walk in the room and I want to let y'all know that we know the testimony of our brother Jeremiah Bynes Jr. Well, guess what? On Monday, he had his surgery for his new kidneys and on today, he's in the house of the Lord same week, giving God glory. He said, I can't drive, but mama, can you bring me? Come on, somebody. Come on, let's give God glory for the testimony of Brother Jeremiah. Amen. God is a healer. God is a healer. God is a healer. For those who don't know, he suffered a heart attack and a stroke on his 28th birthday. But God, <laughs> the enemy sought to take him out. But God, Jeremiah, come on, listen, I thought I was preaching about Job today, but I might be preaching about Jeremiah because when I think about your story, and when I think about how the enemy thought that it was over, and when I think about how he tried to take you up out of here, God stepped in and he said, not so. And he kept you for such a time as this because he had greater work for you to accomplish. You are here today as a walking, talking, breathing, moving, living miracle. Somebody ought to give God some glory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. All right, 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 all right. All right, all right. And so we had to take a moment because a miracle 
came in the room. You got to know how to build an altar and acknowledge a miracle and acknowledge the move of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, and so fruition. Somebody say fruition. The word fruition literally is about bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so this idea, you all, of fruition is not birthed out of, we should have as a note, the actualization of a desire, but rather the confirmation of a decision. All right? I'm going to say that again. You should have that written down. The idea of fruition is not birthed out of the actualization of a desire, but rather the confirmation of a decision. Remember, I told you that the old hymn says, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I gave you fruition's reply. Fruition replies, prove it. Fruition responds, okay, how? What does that look like? Fruition makes a request, and that is, show me, okay? And so you should have that the fruit is connected to the root. The fruit is connected to the root. What's up, Lord? Somebody say fruition. So the word fruition is defined as the point at which a plan or project is realized. Okay, the point at which a plan or project is realized, the state or action of producing fruit. The root word of the word fruition is what, y'all? Fruit, that's it. And so I told y'all, you know, I don't, I don't often feel dumb. But when I do, it's when I, you know, didn't realize stuff like that, that you literally cannot spell the word fruition without first spelling fruit, okay? So we laid this foundation in part one. And then two weeks ago, in part two, we talked about something else. We went a little deeper, and we talked about how the word is a seed. Make sure you had that written down. The word is a seed. Now watch this. Anything with a seed is what? Fruit. There we go. Y'all been taking notes. Anything with a seed is fruit, okay? We're talking fruit groups, right? Anything with a seed is a what? Is a fruit. You cannot have fruit without having a seed. I'm talking about real fruit, right? And so I told you guys about some research that I conducted. According to my research, the seeds hidden inside of each fruit have everything they need to grow into a new plant and ensure the survival of the plant species. And so what we did is we related that to the word and to the believer saying that the word hidden inside of each believer has everything they need to grow a new believer and ensure the survival of the species of believers. We don't want believers to be a dying breed, amen? So just as human life is dependent upon reproduction, and the sowing of the Father's seed, our Heavenly Father, has provided us with seed to sow, to bear spiritual fruit in a way that results in what was produced in you. 
being able to be reproduced in somebody else, and the kingdom lives on. Somebody say discipleship. That's what that is. I, I have a whole series coming on that one. That's one that God uh, dropped during my time of rest, discipleship. Have you sown the seeds in your life in order to produce in your life and reproduce in somebody else's life? The seed is of utmost importance. And without the seed, we can't meet the kingdom need. Make sure you have that. Without the seed, we can't meet the kingdom need. Okay? And God needs you. Did you know that? Yeah, he set it up that way. He wants you, and he set it up so that he needs you, and he needs you not just to know it, it being the seed, the word of God, but he needs you to sow it, okay? Listen, information without application will never breed transformation. You can sit here and you can listen and you can take notes and you can be informed about the word, but if you don't apply it, you will not be transformed in your life, in your mind. You'll just know it. I mean, you'll know it real good. Some of you will know it like the back of your hand. You can quote it. You can tote it, but remain the same. Not I and not you in the name of Jesus. And so we talked about a little more research, and we talked about how there is no fruit without seeds. And if there were no seeds in fruit, no source of reproduction would be there. There cannot be fruit without seed. So then I started thinking about it like, wait a minute. What about those fruit I know without seeds? Mm -hmm. And then what did we find out, y'all? We found out that those are genetically modified. You got a note about that? And so then we had a witty Sunday. What if I told you that a lot of us as spiritual believers or as believers are spiritually what? modified. Why? How? Well, because the science of religion, what else you got in your notes? Ritual, rules, false doctrine, denominationalism, legalism have modified the truth of the word for years upon years upon years to the point that we now have groups and affiliations and gangs. Did I say gangs? Yep, because I meant it. Gangs of Christians being representatives of false fruit. Living under the name and idea of fruit, but bearing no seed. Mm -hmm. And so we said, so how does that happen? This means somewhere along the line, someone tried to crossbreed. That is to produce a, a new animal or plant also known as to hybridize. And so the conclusion was that all these years later, the Christian has become a total different animal. <laughs> and that's when we have the Limequat Christians and the Plumquat Saints and the Tangelos with no testimony. And finally, we noted that the sad part about it is some of the most popular fruits are genetically modified some of your favorites but there was a concluding prophetic utterance that God is turning that thing around 
that there is a paradigm shift at hand and that God is rising up and making popular, not for their sake, but so that the world can really see him real representatives of some real fruit so that a real world can taste and see that God is really, really good. Amen. And so we ended off in Isaiah 18 and 5. Let's look there as we transition into part 3. Isaiah 18 and 5, it says, For before the harvest, as soon as the bud blossoms and the flower becomes a ripening grape, then he will cut off the sprigs with pruning knives and remove and cut away the spreading branches. Somebody say fruition. And so today, part three has a title. And it's entitled, Punishment or Pruning? Punishment or Pruning? Have you ever just had to wonder, is God punishing me? Or is he pruning me? Well, let's define some stuff. The word punishment. Anybody ever been on punishment? Some of y'all probably stayed on punishment. I can tell. <laughs> the definition of the word punishment is the infliction or imposition of a penalty as retribution for an offense. Retribution essentially means vengeance or revenge. In terms of synonyms uh, for punishment, we have the punishment of the guilty, okay? We have penalizing, retributive justice, and chastisement. Mm. Somebody say punishment. Now, I must admit that I do know something about the cross. Anybody know something about the cross? I know that on the cross called Calvary, not only was our sin forgiven, but our guilt was removed. Did anybody know that? I also know that he was wounded for our transgressions and that he was bruised for our iniquities and that the chastisement of our peace was upon him and that by his stripes we are healed do I have a witness we are healed we are redeemed we are by faith accounted as righteous and we are covered by the blood of the lamb that was slain once and for all I need you to stick with me for the propitiation of our sins on that great day of atonement what Jesus did allows God to look upon me not as the filthy rag and wretch that I am, but he sees me as the blood-bought, blood-washed child of the Most High. He sees me, uh, listen, in that I'm viewed and I'm established as an heir to the promise. Come on, I'm going somewhere. And the blessing of Abraham that I told you about a few series ago, the blessing of Abraham is on my life and the blessing of Abraham is on your life because of the finished work of Christ. Anybody know it's a finished work? I see Jesus as a savior and God sees me as a son. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Jesus got punished. I mean, he took cruel and, and torturing punishment. Y'all know the story. He was whipped and he was beaten and he carried the cross up Gilgotha's hill and he was pierced in his side and the crown of thorns was on his head. It don't got to be Easter weekend to reflect on that thing. And he was hung up for your hangups and he got punished for my sin so I wouldn't have to be. Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't believe that, then you might as well still sacrifice bulls and oxen so their blood can cover your sin. And I use cover in quotations because that system has been done away with. WOPBI, you know that we are under a new covenant. If you have problem believing that, then to be honest, you just have problems believing. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is what? Death. But whew, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord you can't talk about the wages without talking about the gift. It's a gift. Anybody ever received a gift? It's a gift. You can't earn it. And, and if you could earn it, guess what? It wouldn't be a gift. It would be compensation. It would be profit. It would be your just due. But I'm just here to tell you that you aren't justified in anything, but he still gave you everything. Hallelujah. Can we give God some praise real quick? Hallelujah. But if you do believe that thing, then you believe that every punishment that was attached to every sin you would even entertain was nailed on the cross with Jesus. This is the essence of the gospel message. And if you believe anything else, you got to check your belief system. And there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 1. So if you were ever wondering, I'm here to tell you that you're not on punishment. Somebody write that down and underline it. I'm not on punishment. Okay? I'm, I'm not on punishment. The enemy can make you think that. He can make you have this thing so twisted. He can make you see God as something different than what he is. I'm not on punishment. Let that digest. Let that sink in. Let that settle. Chew on that for a moment. Meditate on that thing. Because if you think you're on punishment for something you've done, that means that when God turns that thing around, you're going to think, because I was so good. Or you think when things are going good in life, it's because of your goodness and not his. So you got to see this thing right. I know it may not feel good in this current season. I know it's weird. It's weird. Is it weird for anybody? I know it's weird. I know it's hard. I know sometimes it may even get heavy. But I also know that while it's a lot of things, if you believe the Bible, and if you believe in the logos, written word of God, and the rhema, the spoken word of God, then you should trust and believe that it may even be pressure, but it's not punishment. Hallelujah. We believers, God is not in the punishing business with us for our sins. Now, I'm not saying that we just, you know, do anything and get away with sin but we're not punished for it. 
Do we have to deal with the consequences of our actions? Absolutely. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 will tell you that. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he also shall reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth of the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so I want to make myself clear here because you can't go making dumb decisions and going all against the word of God and reaping what you sown, talking about some God is pruning me. Mm-mm, you missed it. Remember, I'm all about owning your stuff. Take responsibility for your stuff, but we got to see, see this thing clearly. Listen, if you don't tithe and honor God in your finances, or if you spend frivolously, you still have to deal with the repercussions of not having enough always. If you mess with somebody Holy Spirit told you not to mess with, you still have to deal with the repercussions of letting him or her into your life prematurely or unadvisedly or against wise counsel. And you still have a mess on your hands. Don't get it twisted. But God is so good that it'll help you clean up a mess that he never even intended for you to deal with if you allow him. And what the enemy also will do is have you to try to hide your mess in guilt and shame. When God says, listen, I didn't plan for this, but I'm here for you. I'm not here for this. I don't, I don't, I don't, this, this goes against. I'm not here for this, but I'm here for you. And so that's one thing, but has, has, has someone ever had something to hit their house and you're like, where in the world did that come from? I mean, if you're honest, some stuff, you know exactly where that came from. You know the difference between having to deal with something that was a result of your decision and having to deal with something for which you cannot pinpoint why and how, right? Has anybody ever been there? Perhaps you're there right now. I just want to show a, a, a differentiation between these two dealings because neither one, first of all, is punishment. But can I let you know something in all honesty? That some stuff that don't feel good, that some stuff that is inconvenient, and some stuff that is uncomfortable is in God's plan. Mm. Yeah. That's not preached often. Do you know that on the road to the prosperity and everything that God has in his plan, that there are some things that will be inconvenient and will be uncomfortable and will not feel good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a tough pill to swallow, but it'll be easier after this series. Amen? Because a lot of people think that uh, what we're going through is punishment for our sins. And that's not true. We've established that. If so, we would be, we, we would be getting punished every day. <laughs> Listen, we've also established that we have to take responsibility for our actions, and God will never, or actually he'll even grace us through that. 
He'll show us mercy in that. But because of poor decisions, you can forfeit peace. Yes, you can. Because you know better about that thing, you can get convicted. Yes, you can. And you have to deal with everything that comes with that. But if you've received the finished work of Christ, what you are going through is not punishment because of your sin. I would even endeavor to say that God doesn't even have time for that. <laughs> because listen, you were born in a dispensation of time where God is pruning you to carry on a work that Jesus isn't here to do, but he's shown you how to do. Okay? I need you to listen. We are not a people who are waiting on the coming of the promised Messiah and have to make provisions for things such as righteousness until his time. No, we are a people who have been made righteous by his coming and in his leaving. And again, we are not a people waiting on the coming of a promised Messiah, but we take part in the preparation of his return. That's what I need you to get. That's what I need you to get. Some of you are still living under the old covenant. Behold, God is doing a new thing. Howbeit, because you have been born in this dispensation of time with this responsibility does not mean that you are immune to what may be considered as sufferings, but it also means that you are inevitably a partaker of the glory which shall be revealed. But until that glory is revealed, there are some things that have to be done to and through and in you to make you look more like that Christ that you now have the responsibility to represent. Is it coming together for anybody? And so he has to prune you so that you can look more like Because you have a job to do. Because you're here on assignment. Because you agreed to this when you accepted him. You signed up for this. Yeah? That's like signing up for a job, but you better not train me. I just want the benefits. I just, I just, I just, I just want the paycheck. I just want the income. But don't, uh, don't train me. Not available for that. That's not why I got it. That's not why I took this job. What about the benefits? We have a job to do. Will you let them train you? Yeah? Anybody, any, I know we got some military people in here who knows that that training process I don't know why they call it basic. <laughs> so guess what? As God is pruning you to prepare you for the job that he has for you to do so that you can bear fruit, so that the kingdom species won't die off, so that you can reproduce what he's produced in you. Amen? So that means that some people, places, and things have to be cut up off. And you may even be ripped away for, from some things uh, for which you've grown comfortable. And you may even, during this pruning process and during this training, may often feel subject to hurt and pain. And guess what? 
God is allowing it. Mm -hmm. how, how often do we ask to get taken off of the potter's wheel? How often is God doing something in us in the moment that it resembles anything that's not roses and daisies? We pray for God to get us out of it and take it away from us. And then we wonder, well, God, God, does God really answer prayer? He does his will. Amen. God is allowing it. I come here to tell you this morning that when it's at the hands of God, though, it's not punishment. It's pruning. It's pruning. It's pruning. Somebody say it's pruning. It's pruning. John 15. Let's go there. The Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. We read it in uh, the other parts of this series, but we're really going to have to get into it today. It is the theme scripture of today. That's John 15, uh, 1 through 8. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and let you find that. You're in it for more than the benefits, right? <laughs> John 15, 1 through 8 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Okay? Anybody know about a vine dresser? You know about a hairdresser, right? Just think about a vine instead of hair. Amen. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, what does he do, y'all? He prunes. Okay, hold on. Wait a minute. So that means pruning must not be a bad thing, God, because you said that you wanted me to bear fruit. So you mean to tell me that I could be doing the right thing, the thing that you asked me to do, and still get pruned? Yes, indeed. Why? that it may bear more fruit. We're going from glory to glory and faith to faith. A lot of us, we, we get a victory, we bear some fruit, and we're ready to sit down somewhere. No, 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 come on. It's time to prune and bear more. When you start to think about this and see this correctly and know when it's pruning, you start to get excited. I know it may take a while to get there, I'm not always there, but when I'm in the right head space and when I'm reminded of things like this, then you literally start to get excited when something hits because you know that this is pruning and the only reason that God prunes is to produce more fruit. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, verse 3 says, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, okay, all right, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. Yes, Lord. Can you imagine 
if everybody wearing the title of Christian would really be abiding in him and bearing much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. That's what all this is about. That you bear much fruit, so you will be my reproducers. That's the JG3 version. So you will be my what? Disciples. Okay? Now, this is very interesting. If you uh, do a study of this text, you'll find that this is the final sermon before Jesus going to the cross. So this is, if he had to leave us with one word, this was it. This shows you how important it is. Okay? And so it's important to note here again that because you're being pruned, it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. Write that down. Because I'm being pruned doesn't mean I've done anything wrong. Be reminded of that. Because I've been pruned or being pruned doesn't mean I've done anything wrong. Okay? Some of us can do the, go down this whole rabbit hole of what we did wrong. It could be missing the instruction, you know, missing the, the blessing and everything else that's in the pruning process. Okay? Check this out. Pruning is not a consequence. Pruning is a criteria. Pruning is not a consequence. Pruning is a criteria. All right? Meaning it's something that's happening to you not because of what you've done. It's something that's happening to you because of who you are. And that is who you are in Christ. Amen? Pruning is not a consequence. Pruning is a criteria. Why do we prune? Anybody in here? That's gardening. They call it a green thumb. Why do we prune? We prune to facilitate healthy growth. Okay? We prune to facilitate healthy growth because guess what? Growth is going to happen, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen healthily. Okay? But pruning helps to facilitate healthy growth. Check this out, y'all. We all have a sin nature. You know that, right? I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how many scriptures you know off the top of your head. I don't care how many times you have tuned in and rewatched a lot. We all have a sin nature. There is a natural inclination to do what is not good for us that we are up against. Anybody know that? Just as a plant will naturally grow with branches spreading and dead leaves forming and taking an undesirable shape, anything coming from nature that is untamed will be wild. Anything coming from nature that is untamed 
will be wild. W-I-L-D. A plant comes from nature. And guess what? If the plant goes unpruned, if there's nobody with the green thumb, if there's nobody helping to cultivate it, that beautiful or potentially beautiful natural plant, I mean, it sprung up from the process of nature, God's process, right? It sprung up from nature, but if it's untamed, it will grow wild. An animal, an animal comes from nature, right? Think about certain types of dogs and things like that. It comes from nature. Unless that animal is tamed, that animal is what, y'all, is wild. Well, same thing with a human being. <laughs> Even God's humans, being those who accepted him as, his fa as their father, God's children. We are, in our natural habitat, y'all want to know some funny comic relief? On Friday, went to Kava, right? And uh, get in there, and at the front of the line is my barber, okay? Then I'm getting out, and at the back of the line is Sister Victoria. So, you know, I speak to them both and everything, and then next thing you know, I look at my phone, and I see an alert where she is talking about in a group of people uh, at Joseph Earl Gray III in his natural habitat. <laughs> Glad you know. Praise him. Amen. <laughs> But anyway, even, even, even humans, if we are untamed, we'll be wild, okay? And so a lot of us will try to excuse our behaviors and our tendencies because, you know, they're natural. Huh? When knowing our natural abilities and inabilities God says, yeah, I know about that, but I, I've called you to something spiritual. And so you throwing in the towel and chalking it up to this is just me. It is what it is. I was born this way. I'm only human. Is the same thing as a plant going unpruned and a dog going untrained. You with me? Get him and lock him in for me, please. Yes, indeed. So, you know, you know how we do. It is what it is. It is what it is, you know. This this just me. I, I've always been this way. Yeah, you've always been wild. And you're just like the plant that goes unpruned. And you're just like the dog that goes, goes untrained doesn't make it right. Longevity doesn't justify it. It is what it is. But that doesn't mean it's the way it's supposed to be. Well, why would God make it that way? That's a good question, right? Why, why would God make it that way? Because, beloved, it's in the pruning process where you meet him. Yeah? It's in the pruning process where you get to see his hand. 
Yeah. It's in the training that you build testimony. Yeah. Is this making any sense? Imagine if you came ready made. If you came ready made, you would never be made ready. Yeah. If you came perfected, you would never get to know the perfecter. If you came right, then you would think that you could do no wrong and God would get no glory out of your life. Won't you allow the potter to put his hands on you and to shape and to mold you? It's not enough that you're clay and it is what it is. If it is what it is mentally for the apostle Paul, when he was Saul, he would have just stayed there because it is what it is. But sometimes this process includes pruning that looks like the Damascus Road experience where God has to blind you for a moment uh, so that your journey can lead others to eternity. My name is Saul and I kill Christians and it is what it is. That's how some of y'all sound. But guess what? Saul can't write most of the New Testament. Saul can't do that. There's a work that God wants you to do that will bless the entire world. But he can't do that while you're wild and untamed. Will you allow God to change your name? Will you allow him to build your testimony? Will, will you allow for God to change your reputation? See, some of us are too tied to our reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. There's a new identity that God has for you. Are you okay with that? Somebody say pruning. Now, honestly, in hearing this word and thinking about this word, I thought about something nasty. Prune juice. <laughs> Just to say that word. I mean, one of the most traumatic experiences I've ever had in my life is our good bishop trying to make me drink prune juice. I started to think about, I honestly have not thought of an amount of money to down, I mean, I, I, I don't say I can't do a lot of things, but I can't. I, I, I tried. And I can't. Anybody ever had room? And we can listen, we need to use something else for me. So what I found out about pruning is just like that prune juice. It's not it's not a good experience, but it's good for you. It is good for you. And sometimes it, it'll make you scrunch your face up. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes, like the prune juice, pruning is hard to digest. But it does open the door for a new level of health and wellness. So it is with not only the fruit, but the actual process. Mm -hmm. Why do we, or why do they or y'all drink prune juice? Most of the time it's because 
uh, there's some need to eliminate some sort of blockage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, something that is inhibiting the flow. Yeah. And so what I realized is that things like pruning, while they're not comfortable, they are necessary. And they are involved in a word called process. Um, First Lady highlighted to me uh, last week or the week before that, that she was thinking about uh, GMOs and was thinking about how a lot of that comes from, especially with, with spiritually modified, a lot of that comes from just trying to skip process. You know, trying to just, just let's get to produce real quick. Let's skip process. Some of us want presentation without process. And it just doesn't work that way. Some of us want platform without process. And it just doesn't work that way. Hmm? Hebrews 12, 10 through 11. Write that down real quick. And I won't be before you much longer. Hebrews 12, 10 through 11. It says, God disciplines us for our good. In order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems Pleasant at the time, okay, but painful. Later on, however, somebody say later on. If you can just hold on till later on. <laughs> later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. There's that trained word again. For those who have been trained by it buy it. So, anybody know anything about gardening? No? It's all right. We're about to learn a few things. Okay. So, uh, on this apron, I have a few garden tools, right? And so, uh, honestly, I don't know much about gardening myself. But I did some research. Amen, 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 amen. I did some research. <laughs> did some research. And so um, there, are, there are a few things that I learned about in my research and a few different tools. And as I actually learned about them, they really, really blessed me, right? And so um, we have something called the hand uh, trowel, right? You know, when it comes to these gloves, they really bless me because I started to think how in pruning us, God is careful with us, you know? He's careful with us. And so there's this hand trowel, right? And when it comes to the hand trowel, it's used to pull up stubborn leaves. Can some of us be honest? That sometimes <laughs> we fight the process. That, that sometimes we fight the pruning. But God says, I got something for you. A hand trial in the spirit so that I can help to pull up those stubborn leaves. And then there's one thing that blesses me immensely. 
and these are the pruning shears. Remember, I told you it's much like a hairdresser. They use shears, right? But these are literally called pruning shears. Hmm, let's see. What does the pruning shears do? Okay, they're essential for harvesting herbs and fruits and vegetables. Um, they're also great for cutting thick stems. Okay, uh, uh, I use them, uh, this says, at the end of the season when I'm cleaning up and getting uh, the garden bed ready, they're great for cutting down uh, plants for the compost pile. And so these pruning shears, for me, spiritually, what they represent is some of the stuff that God cuts out of my life in order for me to grow healthily. In the past, he's pulled out the pruning shears when it comes to some people. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, that doesn't always feel good. Um, sometimes he'll, cut, he'll, he'll pull out the pruning shears when it comes to some character traits that are unlike him. Mm -hmm. Has anybody ever prayed for patience? Yeah, I see some hands in here. The moment you prayed for that, didn't it seem like, uh-oh, I see, I got some amens in the house. If you're watching and you bear witness, go ahead and type amen. And it seems like as soon as you prayed for that thing, God put you in position after position after position to literally have to be what you asked him for. Whew, Jesus. Pruning shears. I know right now I'm going through a pruning process in my life where God has shown me something that I can't take to the next level. You know? Something that cannot go with where he promised. Pruning shears. It doesn't always feel good, but it's necessary. And every time that God starts cutting at me, I can't be offended. Yeah. Every time God starts cutting at me, I can't, I can't take the place of offense. Every time he starts cutting at me, no longer is it a matter of, oh, God, what have I done? How can I undo it? You know, what, what, what's wrong with me? I'm pruning. I'm cutting away because there are some things that can't go with you to the next place. I'm cutting away because literally there are some people who are going to meet you in the next season who can't meet you like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some opportunities that are waiting on you, but hold, hold, hold on, let me get you together because they can't see you like this. And so my prayer begins to be, God, all right, it doesn't feel too great. I don't always like it. But prune me. Cut away whatever it is. The other day I cried out, what, whatever it is, whoever it is, remove it, God. Cut it away. Because when I get to that place, and in even this place, 
I want to represent you, and I want to represent you well. God, I don't want to embarrass you. I, 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 don't, I don't want to show people a shape that is not like what you have meant to present. God, cut away at me. Prune me. Do whatever it is that you need to do. A lot of times, you know how we say, thou art the potter. I am the clay. Shape and mold me in your own way. We've got to stop saying this stuff we don't mean. Because guess what? When it comes to horticulture and when it comes to gardening, that word shape means cut. So you're saying, God, cut me in your own way. And that's what he needs to do. There are a few other things um, when it comes to these tools that are used. Uh, one of them is the garden hoe. Okay? Yes, indeed. And so when it comes to this one, it's a matter of digging up and clearing out unwanted growth. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of things in your garden bed that have sprung up that are undesirable. Because some of us, we've grown in our faith, and some of the things, we, we're bearing some fruit, but it's some other stuff that's growing too. What you going to do about that? Yeah? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you tried to lie to yourself and focus, well, at least I'm doing this. At least I got this in my garden. Yeah, but what else do you have in your garden that needs to be dug up? Job 1. Let's look there really quickly. Job 1. And then we're going to get out of here. Job 1. Um, I want to look at, let's see, we're going to do a little bit of reading. We're going to start at 1, Job 1 and 1. Anybody know about Brother Job? Can anybody on, be honest that you thought Job was a job? <laughs> Kanye ain't the only one, amen. Job 1, uh, I, I want to lift it up in the New Living Translation. It says, there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. Uh, he was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He was blameless. He was blameless? He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. Good grief. 3,000 camels. Oh, my goodness. 500 teams of oxen. Teams. And 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. It says Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes. And they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, 
Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So Job was so serious about his uprightness, about his integrity, that he even was like, listen, I'm not, if my kids have done something wrong, Lord, let me pray and cover them. All right? So Job is now tested. Okay? Job's first test. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan. How many of you know that he's still accusing? He's an accuser of the brethren in Revelation. Came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Slick, crafty self. Verse 8 says, then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? The Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And so Satan replies to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord says to Satan. This may be an eye-opener for some. If you're in God's hand and that thing comes, God allowed it. Amen? Mm-hmm. But guess what? He says, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. Some versions say you can touch him, you can mess with him, but don't take his life. That's some of our testimonies. We've been in a season where everything else got taken but my life. But we'll see what that means for Job, okay? And so he says here, but reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you face to face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing uh, with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmlands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with the news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Anybody been in a season where it's like bad news after bad news after bad news? While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in the oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head. 
and fell to the ground to do what now? <laughs> to cuss God out, right? To, to what? To worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb. And I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Whew, Jesus. It says in 22, in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Let me break this down. Listen, somebody say spark notes. In the course of one day, we just read, Job received four messages, all of them being separate news about his livestock and his servants and his ten children, all dying because of these invaders and the maraundering and things like that. He tears his clothes, he shaves his head in mourning, but he still blesses God in his prayers. He's on that next level, right? So Satan appears in heaven again, and, and God grants him another chance to test Job. Job is afflicted this time himself with horrible skin sores. And this is when his wife encourages him to do what I just said, to curse God and die. But guess what? Job refuses. Then he has three friends. Y'all know them friends start coming around. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar come to visit him. They sit with him in silence for seven days out of respect for his mourning. I'm going to park here with another side note. That blessed me um, because a lot of times, especially thinking of uh, our Christian counseling program, a lot of times people just need you there. They didn't say a word for seven days. They just sat with him. They gave him the present of presence. So that's just a side note that sometimes it's not about knowing what to say. Sometimes they just need you there. Amen? All right, so on the seventh day, Job speaks, beginning a conversation with each of the four men. He shares his thoughts and all of that, right? Uh, let's, go to, let's go to Let me tell you about, let me actually tell you basically what happened for the sake of time. So he's, he's talking with them, and they start talking all of this stuff about how basically Job must have done something wrong. So they go down this whole list of how, you know, he probably did this, and he probably did that, and he probably forgot to ask forgiveness for this, and he had to do something wrong, right? And then this other friend comes, this young friend, Elihu, right? He believes that Job has spent too much energy vindicating himself rather than God. He brings kind of a new spin on things. Uh, he explains to Job that God uh, communicates to humans in two ways, visions and physical pain. And so he comes with all of this, right? And so he then eventually starts singing a similar tune to the other friends. But God finally interrupts. This is after, I'm speeding this up. You can read it. It's 42 verses. And you can read it on your own time. And it was a lot of pain. And it was a lot of suffering. And it was a lot of loss. And Job, a man of high esteem and high honor, who had everything, now was down to absolutely nothing. And so God finally interrupts. And he says this. Let's look in uh, 42. Chapter 42. 
Uh, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was asking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Okay. Have anybody ever been in that place where I heard about, I only heard about his healing power before. But now that I found myself in the position where I'm praying for healing, I now see it with my own eyes. Listen, back, back, back when, when mom and daddy was taking care of me and, you know, I just, I, I had all my needs met, or at least I thought I did. You know, when you're younger and everybody just, you, you think, you know, you just got it. Mom and daddy got it. And then you get older and now you got to got it. And now before... You've seen, you know, I, I heard about God being a needs meter. But now your month is looking longer than your money. And you cry out to him and you struggle and you see victory in that thing. And now you see with your own eyes that God is a needs meter. Yeah. I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Uh, seven says, after the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Okay? So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. That's back in the day. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve. For you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Look how God made provisions even back then under the old covenant to bestow grace and mercy. So Eliphaz, uh, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shutite, and Zophar, the Namathite, did as the Lord commanded them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. My God. In fact. The Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. I'm going somewhere. Then all his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. Looks like things are turning around. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than the beginning. Does anybody receive that for their lives? That literally... I know you've gone through the storm and rain. I know that you have experienced turmoil. I know that you've experienced seasons of things being stripped away, and you will continue to. But the end of your story is going to give God glory. The Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning, for now he had 14,000 sheep. 6,000 camels, somebody say restoration, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. In all the land, 
No women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that. The enemy wants to make you think that you've seen your life already, but there's so many years ahead. If you would just hold on for later, sooner or later, God is going to turn that thing around. And I believe that somebody has lost some stuff that you never thought that you would get back, but God says, I'm giving you back double for your trouble because all I was trying to do was to show that old enemy to show the world to show people around you what it looks like to bear fruit my God my God and so this whole thing is about testimony and God wants me to let you know that he won't let you die in your test Job couldn't have died in these earlier verses because the reason that God okayed this is because of testimony. Amen? And so he says that there will be glory after this. Come on, somebody. I said there will be glory after this. Can somebody give him praise for after this? There will be praise after this. Come on. There will be victory after this. God is looking for some fruit producers in the earth. God allowed for Job to be crushed because he knew what was in him. Come on, somebody. And he knew that when you crush a fruit bearer, on the other side of the crushing, all you get is fruit. Come on, somebody. How do you know what's in you unless you've been crushed? Somebody say, I got the juice. Juice. I got the juice. Come on, somebody. New wine is being poured out. God is doing a new thing, but no real fruit grows without some dirt. Then they will know. God says, then they will know that you are my disciples. Then they will know that I am exactly who I said I am. Then they will know that the fruit is connected to the root. God is just setting up your then they will know. If if this wasn't happening, then what? Listen, then they will know. And so I come to encourage you today that God, especially in this season, is in a season of pruning. As I mentioned in earlier parts of the series, because of everything that's going on in this world, y'all do know that we're closer to that day than we've ever been. Biblical prophecies are being fulfilled by the day. And we are literally in a dispensation of time. And guess what? When God thought about you, he thought about putting you here right now. So that means that he knew that you were able to handle this responsibility. This responsibility that you have to show this crazy, sick, dying world exactly what he looks like. And so know that if you lose them, it's pruning. Know that if you have to give up this, It's pruning. Know that if he has to cut this and that away, 
and reshape you. It's only to shape you up to present you to those who need to see the God in you. Will you curse God and die? Or will you be like Job? It reminds me, yea, though he slay me. <laughs> yea, though it hurts. Yea, though it's uncomfortable. Yea, though I'm sick of this. Yet I will trust him. And I will put my trust in him and him alone. No matter what comes, no matter what goes, because I'm in the palm of his hand, I know that if I couldn't handle it, he wouldn't have sent it. I know that even though it seems bigger than me, he's not going to allow this to be the death of me. He won't allow this to take me out. And so I can only hope and I can only believe and I can only have trust that he's going to get glory out of this story. <laughs> that there will be glory after this after the trials, after the storm, and after the pain. Our vine dresser says that he's come to prune. Will you allow him? Will you allow him to shape you? Will you allow him to dig around in your garden to get rid of what's not needed and to make you conducive for bearing more fruit. I don't know about you, but I'm like, God, let's do it. Let's do it. For your glory, for your glory, for your glory. And so, Father, we thank you now even for this word. And we thank you that as this word has come forth, that you have repostured our hearts. I thank you that as this word has gone forth that you have reset our minds and that you have aligned our wills with your will. Father God, we thank you in the name of Jesus that this word has been a word that has shaken us up. That this word has been a word that has brought some things, uh, Lord God, into perspective, Lord. That this word has allowed us to see some things properly. And I thank you, Father God even for pain and suffering. I thank you even for pruning, Father. I know and we know that it's necessary and we won't fight it any longer. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the great fruit that will be produced on the other end. And we thank you, Lord, that you will keep us, Lord, until that time comes. We thank you that we'll pull on your peace. We'll, we'll pull on, Father, love and hope and all of the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, to keep us until the time comes. God, we thank you so much. We love you. God, you're a perfect savior. We thank you that you are an all-wise God. You know all things. You can do anything but fail. And we thank you that you indeed have a plan for all of our lives, which ends in prosperity. Lord, we thank you that you have a plan for us, which ends in good success. Allow us to be an example. Lord, make me an example so that the whole world will see how great is our God.
Can somebody give him praise? Can somebody give him praise? I'm here to tell you today that it's not punishment. It's pruning. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. We would like to thank each and every person who decided to come on this live today. We pray that you were blessed beyond measure. We don't want to take for granted that everybody watching or even everyone here in our live studio audience is the saved of God. And so if you're here today or if you're watching and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, now is the time for you to get to know him as exactly that. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. He didn't stay dead, though. He got up on the third day morning with all power in his hand, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And if you believe that, then all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you are saved. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray this prayer right quick, and if you repeat after me and believe it, we welcome you into the family of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you as a sinner in need of salvation. I come to you confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that you raised your son Jesus from the dead. I thank you that he got up on the third day and that he is now seated at your right hand, interceding for me. Come into my heart. Change my life. I am saved in the name of Jesus. Come on, give God praise for anybody who prayed that prayer and received Christ. If that's you, type, I am saved. Amen. Amen. And shout out. Can we give God glory? Because last week we had some salvations. Let's give him praise. Amen. So I want to let you know that God desires for you to not only be in relationship, but he also desires for you to be in fellowship. And he desires for you to have a covering, a place to call home. And so if you want to join our Word of Prayer Cultural Center family, we invite you to join our family. Listen, there, there are no uh, type of steps or anything. All you have to do is just say, I'm part of the family. So go ahead and type, I'm part of the family, and we'll welcome you in. God does desire for you to not do this alone, but to have uh, brothers and sisters, to have a pastor to speak into your life, to have a place to call home spiritually. And so if you're here today, then you just come on up or wave your hand if you're in the studio audience. And if you're online, type I'm part of the family and we will welcome you in as such. Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Has anybody been blessed by anything today? Amen. Let's give God praise. Thank you again for watching, and we will see you on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m.